We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure and click the subscribe button, turn on notifications, like and comment on the video. Let us know what you think about the episode, if there's any other questions that you would like us to ask a particular guest, or you have a a guest suggestion. We're always checking YouTube and love to hear from you guys and then be able to incorporate your suggestions into future episodes. Today, I'm going to be joined by Vinny Himes from Leadfoot Diesel Performance, and I saw recently that Leadfoot had posted a truck picture one of their customers has an 800,000 mile 67 power stroke and i wanted to have him on and ask what kind of maintenance or what repairs what goes into being able to support and keep an 800,000 mile 67 power stroke on the road so he's going to go through everything they've done to the truck the kind of maintenance schedule everything you would want to know if you own a 67 power stroke and are looking to be able to keep it on the road as long as possible before we get to it, though, I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Kershaw Knives. We had them on the pad, the podcast earlier in January, and they were telling us about a bunch of cool new knives that they have, and they've got a discount code just for you guys. If you use code 20diesel at kershaw.kaiusa.com, you get 20% off site-wide. They already have great deals going as it is, but it's a great way to be able to save a little bit extra money if you need something for EDC or hunting, fishing, something around the house or job site, you get some really cool gear. So make sure and head on over. Use code 20 diesel and save 20% off. All right, let's get to today's podcast with Vinny from Leadfoot Diesel Performance and finding out what goes into maintaining an 800,000 mile 6.7 power stroke. Vinny, we meet again on the Diesel Podcast. How you been? I've been great, man. How have you been? I've been pretty good. Pretty good. Your uh, your series you did with me a few months back, man, I got a ton of plays. It's good. It's good. I got to be careful not to say perfectly honest this time. That one guy called me out. Apparently, I'm a liar. <laughs> oh yeah because you said if i'm perfectly honest um you're lying apparently i said it like 27 times i don't know i never watched these things after we record them so i don't know what he's talking about what was so cool about them and for anyone who's listening who hasn't checked them out is Vinny and i went through duramax cummins power stroke the different year ranges talked about common problems with them fixes things like that but it gave me a really complete look at trucks that i've never owned and things that I could look out for, things I could research and learn more about. So I definitely encourage you, if you own a truck we're not talking about today, definitely check uh, the episode that we did, actually three episodes that we recorded, I think on a Saturday morning early when the the sun was coming up. Yes, had the fire going. (laughs) It was cold. (laughs) Well, I was on uh, Instagram the other day, and I saw you guys had posted up a truck called Brutus. It was a 6.7 Power Stroke, newer body style with over 800,000 miles. And that just made me stop because I don't know a lot of six, seven power strokes with 800,000 plus miles on it. And I'm like, Dave, any, let's want to come back on the podcast. Tell me about it. Like what's been done to this truck. For sure. And definitely not a 2017. For being such a new truck, relatively new truck, he's really racked up the miles and, and I need to talk to Rashad about that more. Um, he, he owns a company called high end halls and, and the truck's been all over the country. It's been a bunch of different shops over the years and had some problems at some shops and, and 
kind of always ends up back here in Georgia. So we try to take extra good care of them. We try to take extra good care of all of our customers. But, you know, somebody's traveling all over the country, you want to make sure that things are done right. Um, our shop foreman, Luke Willett, does a really good job of, of putting miles on the truck whenever we work on it and really trying to treat it the way that we imagine his employees are possibly treating it so that if it's going to have a problem after we do a big expensive repair or even a small repair, we want to make sure if it's going to have a problem, it happens right around our shop and not out on the road. So where we test drive everybody's trucks severely, uh, we do his even more so just because we know the nature of what he's using the truck for and the potential breakdowns could be out in the middle of nowhere, out in the middle of the desert coming across Nevada or something like that. So you always have to think differently when you're servicing a vehicle of that caliber uh, being used in that way. Now with the truck itself, did, did he get it brand new? Yeah, it started life out as a as a white uh, lariat, and it has been extensively worked and reworked um, as the miles have racked up. You know, things just accidents out on the open road have forced upgrades and, you know, uh, hail damage, you know, different things that can damage the paint. They ended up doing a really cool wrap on the truck. It looks kind of like a brushed like black aluminum um turned out really really neat and then just recently here this last visit we did the bigger wheels and tires and stuff like that um i kind of printed out most of his invoices the important ones anyway so we could kind of go down through the history of the truck it hasn't been all roses and unicorn farts by any means but um i think anytime you have employees driving a vehicle that they're not paying the bills on you tend to see that versus like an owner operator. There's somebody that's driving their own truck that they're making the payments on that they're responsible for the repairs on. You can see a very big difference in the service records on those vehicles from an owner operator to a owner with an employee driving. I think there's two parts of this that are really going to jump out to people. And one is if you're going to have a business where you're going to put a ton of miles on something and you're looking at new trucks, what could you expect for, yeah, failage at different or failures at different mileage or things that are going to pop up once you get past 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 miles. But then also the enthusiast and somebody who bought one of these trucks or is getting ready to, it's such a huge investment and you want to keep the truck for as long as you can, maybe pass it, pass it on one day. So they're thinking, okay, what should I plan for? You know, once I hit that 300,000 or even 500,000 or like, Today, we're chatting about 800,000 plus miles. So, you know, roughly what kind of weight is he towing? And then how many miles per year is he putting on this thing? I can actually answer that very well. So the first time we saw the truck was in 2019. So the truck was two years old at that point, And he had 373,000 miles on it Wow! at two years old. Um, by 2020... He was at 585,000 miles, so that's a pretty decent pattern. Uh, looks like about an average of 300,000 a year, give or take. Uh, 2019 was a little over 300,000. 2020 was a little under. Um, by 2021, we were at 694. Uh, beginning of 2022, February of 2022, we were at 745. Uh, June of 2022, so middle of the year, we were at 8.03, and then just this last visit um, was pretty much 
mostly cosmetic work, wheels, tires. Uh, we converted we converted the old worn out tan lariat interior to a brand new King Ranch interior, so it looks really nice inside now. Um, I know I sent you some pictures, so if you put a slideshow together, they'll be able to see that. And um, so, I mean, in the last five years since we've been servicing the vehicle, he's put 500,000 miles on it. Um, and it really didn't have any issues from brand new till our first service on it. 373 trouble-free miles is not too shabby. And I don't know the complete history of the truck. I know our history with the truck. And I know what Rashad shared with me. There's one shop visit years ago. Uh, he ended up in Texas and the rear end was making a noise. And he had some shop in Texas rebuild the rear end and it didn't make it far. It bound up and exploded and it ended up getting trailered to us. And we put a brand new rear end under it. Um, so we'll kind of never know what happened there. Uh, maybe it just needed a service and he was sold something he didn't need. I don't know. I don't even know the name of the shop that did it nor would I mention it if I did, but, you know, things like that, um, very unexpected for a truck that's as well serviced as his truck. And I will say that he takes extremely good care of his trucks. Um, anytime he's coming through, we're doing front and rear diff services. We're doing transmission services. We're doing fuel filters, oil changes. We only use Schaefer's oil in this particular truck. So to get almost 400,000 trouble-free miles out of a vehicle is pretty awesome. And the first visit to us was actually, uh, it broke an exhaust manifold bolt and the exhaust was basically torching the engine harness with 1200 degrees of exhaust gases and it melted the engine harness. So we had to do a engine harness repair. Um, looks like we did an engine harness repair and an injector return line that got burnt up and a vacuum harness that got melted. So that was just kind of a, it's not a super common thing for us to be doing broken exhaust manifold bolts on a 6.7. It's common enough that we bought a special tool that Snap-on makes for extracting them. Um, I would say in a typical year for us, we do 60 trucks a week on average, and we might do one or two broken exhaust manifold bolts a month. So pretty good odds for this platform for this particular engine. Yeah. yeah. And I think the, I don't want to call it a torture test, but you know, when you're looking to buy a product and you'll go on YouTube or something or Google and you want to read about a torture test of something to see what extreme conditions or uses something will hold up to knowing you might not take your truck to that level but it gives you that confidence either one before you've purchased or if you've already purchased and you want that reinforcement that you made the right decision, yeah. okay, this thing can hold up to it. So after you guys got it that first time, what were some other things that the truck came back for that you would, that you would say maybe common, maybe, maybe common is not the right word, but just something people look out for once they hit, high threes, low 400,000 miles on a uh, six, seven power stroke. So I, I actually put these in order so we could run through a timeline like that. I wasn't sure how you were going to want to do this, but I kind of had an idea in my head. Um, so the very first visit, broken exhaust manifold bolt, uh, melted a bunch of components under the hood. We fixed all that stuff at 373,000 miles. Uh, the very next visit was... Let's see, 
11 months later. So we didn't see the truck for 11 months. Um, it came in for the coolant feed line to the turbo leaking. That's a super common issue on the six, seven Fords. Um, the fact that his didn't do it till over 400,000 miles is extremely surprising to me. Um, and I think we could attribute that to non-typical use. So your normal guy driving to and from the office or to and from work, construction, plumbing, what have you, we'll typically see those stop and go mileage trucks. We'll typically have to replace that coolant feed fitting on the turbo, which is a $48 part. We'll do that around 85,000 miles. I think he made it to over 400,000 before we had to do that because they're all highway miles, which is not typical for the main customer that I see. Um, we did do an alternator on that visit, just some irregular charging. It was jumping from 11.8 volts to 14 volts. For an alternator to last 400,000 miles is awesome. I don't think that alternator owed him a dime. Uh, super common problem on the 6.7 Fords is the CCV filter. Ford did not give it a service interval. So you can look all through your owner's manual if you own one of these trucks and you'll see one mention of the CCV filter on like page 384 of your owner's manual. There's a picture of it. It doesn't even tell you what it actually is. Uh, so that's something that gets majorly neglected by 6.7 owners. On a 2011 to 16, 6.7, I typically try to advise our customers to change that crankcase filter, which is non-serviceable, but you can replace the whole plastic lunchbox that it sits in. I tell them to replace that every fourth oil change, so about 40,000 miles. On the 17 and newers, like Brutus, I recommend doing it like every third oil change. They, they seem to be much more finicky about crankcase pressure, and what it typically does is spits out the upper oil pan gasket. You'll repair that, and then weeks, months, depending on the customer later, you'll end up having to do a vacuum pump gasket. You'll repair that, test everything. It's all good. No oil leaks. Couple months go by, front cover seals leaking. Go ahead and repair that. Months go by, rear rear gasket leaks. So we started seeing this pattern, and so we now, if a truck comes into us with a blown out upper oil pan gasket, we'll change the CCV filter. We'll get the customer on that schedule, and then we will reseal the whole entire engine. It's not massively expensive. It's like twenty five hundred bucks. But once you explain to the customer that this needs to be serviced and it's on their radar you can avoid, it's about a $2,500 pair. You can avoid, avoid that for the rest of the time you own a truck, as long as you stay on top of these CCV filters. So his second vi visit, we did the CCV filter. Uh, it did not have any oil leaks on that visit. So it was kind of just, that must've been right around the time that we saw that pattern. And it was a recommendation that we made. Um, we added some rock lights to it. We did front and rear sh shocks. We upgraded them to the Fox shocks with dual Fox steering stabilizers. Um, and then we installed his train horns. Somebody had installed train horns on the truck and, and it was kind of shoddily done. And according to the mechanics notes on that invoice. And so we redid the install and cleaned it up, made it look nicer for him, made it function better. Uh, didn't see the truck again for seven months. Uh, the third visit, it had 585,000 miles on it. And this one, the if I memory serves me right, I believe there was an employee driving the vehicle on this visit. And if memory serves, the intercooler, the plastic intercooler pipe exploded somewhere in Texas. And middle of the night, hauling high-end exotic cars, you don't just pull over in the interstate in the middle of nowhere and park 
waiting for a repair. So they drove to the next exit to get to a dealership. Unfortunately, after the repair, the truck was using coolant, drove it the rest of the way to Georgia, and we diagnosed it as a cracked cylinder head. So we ended up at 585,000 miles. That's a lot of wear and tear on a block and rotating assembly. Rather than nickel and diming them on doing a cylinder head replacement, we just recommended a running complete engine with eight brand new injectors and a brand new turbo and brand new everything with a super awesome warranty. So that was kind of an operator error is what I would refer to that as. It's not like the truck cracked ahead because it was a, a bad design. It was put into an abusive situation and overheating an engine will have repercussions. So that visit at 585,000, we did the first engine in it and transfer case service, transmission service, rear diff service, uh, replaced a fan clutch assembly because it did get so hot. So we just did that kind of as a precaution and replaced the AC compressor. So factory AC compressor, original OEM AC compressor made at 585,000 miles, pretty dope. Uh, fourth visit, so that was the last one was June of 2020. In September of 2020, it came in for oil change. We added an auxiliary fuel tank, replaced the factory fuel filters, replaced front and rear brake pads, replaced the two rear brake calipers, and repaired a broken fog light from road debris. Um, at that point, it had 617,000 miles on it. Fifth visit, uh, 653,000 miles. We replaced one front hub assembly because it was roaring. Replaced a degas bottle hose that was leaking and installed the first power replacement power steering pump and brake booster. So power, factory OEM power steering pump and brake booster made it 653,785 miles. Don't think they owed him a dime. The sixth visit, was right at 694,000 miles. Uh, Schaefer's oil change, uh, replaced fuel filters, automatic transmission, replaced the valve body and the transmission filter, and did an update on the valve body, uh, front brake pads and rear brake pads, and then replaced the fuel filter housing because it was leaking. So basically just a bunch of maintenance, uh, not a whole lot of repair on that one. Kind of boring. Uh, so that was July of 21. In October of 21, we did another synthetic oil change, Schaefer synthetic oil change, installed power amp steps, and that was it. So nothing major on that visit, just basically oil change and amp steps. Uh, this is the one where he had the rear end rebuilt by some shop in Texas, didn't make it far down the road, and the ring and pinion exploded. So, towed it to us. We put a complete rear end in it, um, changed fuel filters, oil filters, basic, basic maintenance on this one as well. So, lots of maintenance. I mean, he stays on top of his maintenance. Uh, this visit, nothing fun, oil changes, fuel filters, uh, coolant reservoir, 
was dark in color, recommended replacing because we couldn't see the level inside. So I got a brand new degas bottle and coolant hoses, uh, replaced a heater hose and services SMB air intake. So nothing fun on that one. Now we're at 800,000 miles. Uh, did a cylinder contribution fault and injector number five failed. Uh, sounded like the engine was hydrolocking on fuel. Ford warrantied out that long block that we'd installed at 500 and something thousand miles because it's a two year unlimited mileage warranty. So basically an injector uh, showing us signs of a potential, potential major engine failure if that injector was to keep running in there. We felt the right thing to do. He was still within warranty. We pushed a warranty through. Our local Ford dealership agreed with us on it and gave us another brand new engine, no questions asked. So if you guys are out there getting quotes on repairs, I lose work all the time to people because they can get it somewhere cheaper. You know, that OEM Ford engine was not cheap. Uh, it wasn't expensive in the grand scheme of things either, but he probably could have got an aftermarket remanufactured engine at 580,000 miles for 10 grand. He paid an extra four for a Ford running complete with a two year unlimited mileage warranty on it. And when it came time to maybe needing it, Ford did the right thing and gave him a brand new engine, no questions asked, at 830,000 miles. So that's something to think about. He spent an extra four grand and saved 14,000 in this situation. So many different things that I'm thinking of right now. One, you know, we talked about maintenance a lot on some of the other podcasts that we've done together. And it's amazing how far these, even these brand new or newer style trucks can go, which is staying on top of the maintenance. You know, when I think of high mileage trucks, I always think back to like, gosh, what did Cummins used to do? Or it was with TDR or something where you'd have like a million mile Cummins and mm -hmm. you'd get the badge and everything for it. I never in my own mind never really made that kind of synonymous with power strokes or even duramaxes it was always kind of like a cummins thing to me which might be my own bias but i know when i saw that picture no, and totally, i saw you know i was like whoa this totally is, is. I, I was over at my buddy byron hanner's house one night and he had like all the tdr magazines in the perfect order from one to however many on this shelf and i remember the million mile club one and uh I believe I've heard rumor. I don't know if it's true, but I've heard rumor, seen some Facebook posts. I guess I should have searched it tonight. I didn't even think about it, but apparently if you can make it a million miles in a six, seven power stroke, the Ford dealership will give you a brand new truck and trade for yours, like straight up. So if that's true, we need to, we need to look into that. Hopefully by the time you air this, we can have that answer and you can include that in there or something, but that that's pretty awesome if that's the case. You know, I'm thinking you see so many trucks per week, per year. Do you see other six sevens that get close to this mileage within that amount of time? Yeah. So Brutus is Insta famous. So that's why everybody knows about it, uh, which is props to Rashad for staying on top of that and, and getting the truck out there and, and uh, being on this podcast, I'm sure it's going to get 10 times more coverage now just from your following, but um, Brutus is Insta famous. So everybody knows about it. Uh, there was another customer that we serviced for many, many years. He had a 2011 F-350 Lariat truck. First time I saw it, the truck had 75,000 miles on it. This was in 2013-ish, and the guy was just starting his hotshot trucking business. And he brought it in. We did every service you can imagine to the truck. Um, did some 
OE updates, ECM updates, and things like that that he didn't he didn't trust the Ford dealership to do, so we did them for him. And um, that truck came into us seventy five thousand miles. I saw it again in two thousand fifteen, over three hundred thousand at that point. You know, I thought it was pretty crazy. Like, wow, we just you just started your business two years ago and you've already put two hundred thousand plus miles on it. I thought that was pretty wild. And then we saw it again in like 2017. It was just kind of one of them things. He, he's not from here. He just passes through here. He hauls uh, boats from like the Midwest down to the Florida to like Florida. And then he does a run out to uh, Illinois, picks up like campers or something and hauls them to Oregon. I don't remember the guy's exact route, but I remember it was like a big triangle, basically Florida, Indiana, Illinois, Oregon, back down to Florida. And, and it was a pretty crazy route that he was running. and in 2018 it was over over 500,000 miles so he, again he's pretty consistently putting 100,000 miles a year on that truck the last time i saw it was right before we moved into our new shop so it would have been like right around 17 18 and it was 800,000 i haven't seen it since but that guy's not on instagram you know he's an older gentleman he just took really good care of his truck and we never did any major repair on that thing. The only thing we had any record of on that truck was oil changes and fuel filters. And again, we were running Schaefer's full synthetic in it. Anybody, I think if you do oil analysis on your vehicle and you send it in, send it to Caterpillar because they're kind of unbiased and they're really, really strict on their oil analysis. That's when I had my hotshot trucking company out West. That's who I sent all my oil analysis to. And I ran Schaefer's. I was going on a 5.9 Cummins. I was going 20,000 miles between oil changes. I was changing my filters every four. And uh, every oil analysis I ever sent to Caterpillar came back per perfectly fine. 20,000 was just kind of my comfort level. That's where I capped it. With uh, with uh, Brutus, was that the, and I apologize if I missed it, but was that the original transmission that's been in the truck the whole time? We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. So he had. If memory serves correct, he had a transmission replaced again, I think, out in Texas. Um, and then I think we warrantied it at some point. Um, six, seven trannies, the five, six R140 seems to be a beast. Um, I don't think you're going to blow it up with power from what we've seen, especially in our shop being a sled pull drag race background. We've put some pretty serious power through the six R140. Um, I think it. I think the pattern that we see is about on a 50110, 225,000, 250,000 miles of transmissions just simply wore out. You know, I mean, it's just a series of brake pads and clutches at the end of the day. So, you know, that friction material is going to wear out. It's not going to live forever. Um, the pattern on the 50110, like I said, 225, 250. The 6R140 seems to be like 350, 375. So bigger, much more robust transmission. Uh, seems to last about 100,000 miles longer than a 5R110. And I, at that point, I think they're just wore out. And you just need to replace them. Just like doing your brake pads, same concept. 
So pretty much if somebody wasn't hot shotting and putting this amount of miles on their truck per year, there's really not a whole lot you'd have to do besides maintenance. You know, the, the first engine failure you mentioned with it overheating, you know, and doing the engine and, um, there just doesn't seem to be a lot or, or a consistent amount of issues that you're going to constantly face. Like once you get over a hundred thousand miles, you know, be prepared for X, Y, Z over and over and over again. Yeah. Now my wife drives a six, seven and all we've done, we've had it for eight years. And, uh, all we've done is oil changes of fuel filters, no major repair. I mean, we did brake pads on it at some point, right around 90,000 miles. But, yeah, just been a great engine, been a great truck at home. Well, now I'm thinking about, you know, like our listeners are about a third, a third, a third between the three brands. So the two-thirds who are listening with a Cummins and a Duramax, I'm sure they're curious. You know, what kind of higher mileage, newer trucks do you see with those two brands? Do you see them go this far and have sort of the the costs and say that the six sevens do you know with um... yeah. uh, the cost so the only other truck i can think of we have a, a massive customer base of hot shot truckers uh, a lot of guys haul, hauling campers a lot of guys are hauling boats a lot of guys are hauling uh cars with big wedge trailers the wedge trailer guys seem to prefer the cummins and you know where that's going it doesn't matter if it's an ISN or a 68 RV, that tranny's not, not making it to 200,000. It's just not. Um, sorry if that hurts your feelings. I'm not going to say I'm being perfectly honest, but, you know, I mean, that that is what it is. <laughs> so I'm not seeing the Cummins, the 6, 7 Cummins go high miles without major repairs just because that tranny is so weak and problematic. And the other problem we see with the 6, 7 Cummins is they blow head gaskets faster than a 6 liter will. And even after studying them, they'll blow again. So I don't, I don't BS those customers at all. I mean, that's, that's a design flaw in the motor. You know, they just get hot between cylinder number five and six. They've got a cooling issue. Everybody knows about it. You can recommend a fleece performance coolant bypass, which is an excellent product. And we sell the crap out of them. The problem is most of these hotshot guys are stuck running emissions and can't get rid of it. So you can't run a fleece cooling bypass with an EGR cooler in the way. So they're kind of stuck. You know, they're they're there's no fix for those guys. We can put studs in it. I'll shake their hand and promise them they'll be back for another blown head gasket. That's the only way I can be honest with those guys. I'm not gonna lie to them and tell them that there's some weird warranty or that we did some magical thing. Cylinder number five or six are always going to get hot. And a lot of times what we find there when we pull them apart to do the head gasket is the head gasket's not physically blown. It's turned purple and blue and overheated and started to delaminate. And sometimes the head gasket's gone. Like that little thin yeah. section between cylinder five and six, it's just gone. It's melted. It's no longer there. What do you see on the Duramax trucks for high, for higher mileage like we're talking about? I only have one customer, two customers that are using Duramaxes for hot shotting. One guy was out of Tennessee super good dude and uh we pulled his lbz duramax in with seven hundred eighty thousand miles on it had a blown head gasket he opted for a long block didn't need it cylinder walls look amazing 
bottom of the heads look great. We sent the heads out to get Magnaflux pressure tested. Uh, valve seats tested good. Everything looked great. Just had a blown head gasket. Uh, was actually pouring water into the driver's side exhaust manifold to the point where it turned white. So 780 on a bone stock motor. That truck only came to us one time, so I don't know anything about its previous history. Um, I'm sure he was taking it somewhere, doing his maintenance and service himself. The other one that comes to mind is an L5P at 380,000. It came in and we had to put a long block in it and uh, eight new injectors, the whole nine. And uh, that was actually one of Rashad's acquaintances as well. And uh, that truck has been kind of a nightmare. We put eight brand new injectors in it and we have warrantied out not, I think we've warrantied out six injectors within the year of it being installed. So kind of not the case with Rashad's truck. Rashad's truck never came in for the same thing twice back to back. You know, it was always something different. And uh, in the grand scheme of things, Brutus has been a tough, really tough truck. I mean, it's, it's had its share of contaminated fuel and it needed a fuel pump and stuff at one point, but CP4s are picky about fuel. We all know that. So, you know, Duramaxes, we replaced CP4s for no reason at 30,000 miles. Brutus made it over 400,000 on a stock CP4. So I'd say the big difference there obviously is six, seven Fords have a lift pump supplying the CP4 supply fuel. Duramaxes are starving the CP4 pump. So you've got a lubricity issue and a starvation issue. It just compounds on itself and creates a problem. Whereas the six, seven Fords, the CP4s seem to live a long, pretty long, happy life before we ever get to replace them. Uh, we do a lot of fleet maintenance. And I guess if I had to put a pattern on it, I would say 250,000 plus miles, your CP4 is going to be okay. After that, a lot of times what we'll see is we'll see a uh, reduce engine power and a service fuel filter message. And we'll check the regulator on the CP4 and we'll find a little bit of metal debris in it. If you catch it at that point, you just throw a pump in it. If you keep driving it through that point, you're going to wipe up the fuel system. You're going to need an $8,000 fuel system. So the big industry shocker yesterday that broke the freaking internet was SNS diesel release in their new fuel pump conversion to get rid of the cp4 and the six sevens and i think that's going to be the industry standard and i know we've talked about it at our shop we'll never install a cp4 again on a six seven power strip this episode isn't sponsored by ford but i know it's kind of turning into almost a ford commercial just by, <laughs> by how it's gone i make but, a good product now finally but i think there's a lot of uh, a lot of guys out there that are in the position of Hey, I want a new truck or, you know, this, I found one a couple of years old and it, we almost get overwhelmed with information, especially if you go on the internet and you land on some forum or, you know, YouTube or something like that. And you're going to find people that are diehard fans of one in particular. Um, but I think, you know, like a conversation like this is, is really helpful. As I mentioned kind of in the beginning is with almost a torture test. Like I would never put 800,000 miles on a truck. I just don't drive that much. I probably would struggle to hit 200, probably 150, unless I owned it the rest of my life. But if I'm looking to buy something, I think to myself, if it can stand up to hauling a trailer in a big triangle across North America, it's going to handle the way, you know, that, I, that I'm using it. 
um, you know, day to day or you know, having a little fun with. So I think that's kind of a, I don't know, it's, it's a testament to it. And it, it also goes sort of against the grain of the perception that say I have it as an, as an enthusiast is, well, if you want a truck to last, you got to get an older one. You got to get your first gen, your second gen, your common rail, your seven, three power stroke, something like that. Anything new, it's, you know, a hundred, 200,000 mile truck, and then you better get rid of it and get a new one. So that's what really grabbed my attention about that post, like 800,000 miles on this thing. And some of the other customers that you told me about with, you know, 500, 600,000 miles on the same thing. It's. We've got a customer that's a, a sh insurance adjuster. He called me the other day. He's got a 2020 Ford F-250 Platinum. And all this guy does is drive around the country and make it do insurance adjustments. And uh, he was asking about a larger fuel tank because he's sick and tired of having to fill up all the time because the 250s have a super tiny fuel tank. So I quoted him on an S&B fuel tank. And uh, he asked if we do service and, and just move to the area looking for a shop. And I said, yeah, we do basic service and maintenance and stuff like that. And I kind of told him about the CCP filter thing. And apparently he had seen one of our posts from years ago where we recommended people and we kind of posted our, our recommended service interval on the CCV filter. And he followed that. He's got a 2020 with 575,000 miles on it. Zero major repairs, original OEM fuel system, original alternator starter, everything. I mean, he's just putting her out in the wind and putting those highway miles on it. So it's, it's really hard to have a conversation about that with a guy that's driving 10 miles in the morning to the job site and then 10 miles home at night, you're not going to see that kind of reliability because your best stop and goes what wears these things out. You guys work on so many cool things there and I don't, I don't get to catch up with you enough, you know, to, to really know what you guys got going on in the shop, but what are some cool things maybe you guys are working on um, some things in 2023 that you guys are looking forward to maybe sled pulling, drag racing, maybe, Gosh, there's so many things so, that are possible. So what we were told by the EPA during our visit is that our sled pulling trucks are illegal. And when I pointed out that our sled pulling truck had a condemned title because it was a Texas flood truck, uh, he didn't care. He, he pointed at the windshield and said, it's got a VIN number. You can't modify it. It's illegal. If it moves, it's a fine. So we've been out of sled pulling ever since. Uh, and we haven't built any sled pulling trucks ever since. And so our kind of focus has been on like the off-roading so side-by-sides um obviously that's an unregistered vehicle and and we can play around with those and have fun and not get in trouble so we focused on that uh we've been doing a lot of jeep builds um lift kits wheels tires stuff like that and what we're really seeing a big takeoff this year and our our focus has completely swung to this is the ford bronco is an awesome platform I've never been into gassers. I've never been into SUVs. And we built a Ford Bronco for my buddy Lucas Strait and for his wife for Christmas. And he asked me to drive it. Obviously, they were going to fly down and, and reveal it for for Christmas. And so we planned it all out. We got all the parts there. We got everything installed. We did a really nice lift kit on it. And, you know, I kind of drove it for the week to do a shakedown on it so that we could retorque the lift kit before they drove 1,300 miles home. And so when he got down here, when his wife, him and his wife flew down, I just basically told him, I said, look, if you're going to, if you're going to beat on this thing, we need to go beat on it while you're here. If something's going to break, if something we get's going to fall off or fall apart or what have you, we're not perfect. We know that. Let's just be realistic. If we made a mistake, we want to catch it here. 
before you go on a 1300 mile road trip. I don't know how many times we jumped that thing that weekend, <laughs> but we jumped it a lot. And I was severely impressed. Uh, it was the most expensive Fabtech lift kit money can buy. And I would suspension drives me nuts because a lot of it's just pretty frills and, and bells and whistles. Uh, to see a suspension system work impressed the crap out of me. And that thing was simply impressive. Um, the abuse that we put it through that week, uh, the torture that we did to it, and to just to go through a three-foot ditch at 60 miles an hour and jump it into a hay field and then cruise across the hay field at 100 miles an hour and barely feel it, that is a super awesome platform. And this was not a Raptor edition. This was an Outer Banks edition. Uh, since we experienced that, we have purchased a Raptor edition for the shop. And then we have purchased a base model that we're going to do a build on. So keep an eye on that. And maybe we can do an episode about that. I know it's a diesel power podcast, but there's rumors that we're going to be able to get the Bronco with a diesel in it someday. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to get a diesel Bronco and we can feature that one day on here. And, but that's just, that's kind of the, the shift that we've made. Um, being told that sled pulling trucks are illegal sucks. That's been our whole life. That's kind of what we are and we're known for. And to be told we can't do that anymore really blows. But got to follow the law and do the right thing. And until the laws change and, and we're allowed to get back into that, we got to adapt and overcome. You can't just roll over and quit. So we're going to. Really, What's well, really the lifestyle. I think we've chatted about that a bit before is diesel encompasses so much other than just trucks. You know, there's yeah. off-roading, there's side-by-sides, there's things outdoors. There's there's so many cool parts of the lifestyle itself that I love talking about it all because I have, you know, I love diesel trucks. I'm passionate about them, but I have other passions too. And a lot of the guys I know either in the industry or friends I have or people I've met over the years, they're into a lot of other stuff too. And we all kind of are into the same thing. So I'm always, you know, interested in hearing about all that kind of stuff. So um, well, and that's one thing that I think we're going to do a lot this year, and we've never focused on it, never really been on our radar, but I just got back from Mexico. I went down there for the premier cruise and met some of those overland guys. And dude, you know me, I'm a big time elk hunter, uh, whitetail hunter. My buddy Jordan at the shops converted me to a damn turkey hunter. He's ruined my life. I'm obsessed with turkey hunting now. I can't wait for the season to start here in a couple of weeks. And so when, when Jordan and I go deer hunting and turkey hunting, we're not those foo-foo guys that are going to pull up in a camper. We'll throw out an old canvas tent or a lean-to and sleep on the ground in sleeping bags. And we met these Overland guys selling some different Overland products that Premier's brought on. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to turn my six liter into Overland rig. I'm going to do the headache, you know, the, the back rack on the back with the tent on top. Um, if you're hunting in an area that's heavy predation you got grizzly bears walking around at night what better what what better way to spend your time in the woods than in a canvas tent but you're six feet off the ground um on top of your vehicle so we're going to start venturing into some of that stuff as well for 2023 um there's just so many ways you can make money and help customers and do cool builds without doing illegal deletes or anything like that so we're going to focus on those things and grow rather than belly aching and crying that we can't do due to leads. I mean, there's just, 
a lot of business opportunities out there for these shops and, and for individuals to have fun with their diesel trucks. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what I noticed. Like, gosh, I got to connect you with my brother. He loves hunting. And got, last year he's got into mountain lions, buffalo, moose, tons of things like that. And, you know, he's like, he's got two Cummins trucks. He's got a 2019 <laughs> mega cab. That's the hunting rig. That's what he tows the trailer with. But then there's also an O3 with fully built motor, you know, huge Garrett compounds on it. And it's like, he's into that, but then also, you know, off-road trucks and side-by-side -side stuff. And so I think that's really cool the way you guys are branching out into encompass some of these other things that we're all into. And, um, man, it was cool chatting with you. I'm glad you guys posted that truck up because like I said, there's a lot of us that don't know or see those trucks. I mean, I, I'm not in a shop. I can't tell you the last time I saw it you know, a truck come in and get worked on. Um, I didn't think they could go 800,000 miles. I didn't think they would. I thought there'd be a whole it's bunch impressive. of problems. No, it's, it's crazy impressive. And it's even kind of restored our faith in the emissions present trucks because Brutus was emission, emissions present for hundreds of thousands of miles. I don't know at what point it got deleted. We didn't do it, but at some point he had a problem with something and I guess he just decided to take this stuff off, but it's impressive to see that they can go that long, that far with emissions present. You know, I think everybody thinks you got to delete that stuff to be, to have a reliable vehicle. And I will say Ford's emissions is far superior and far more reliable than Cummins and Duramax. We see way more problems out of the Duramax urea system. Uh, the Cummins EGR system, dumping huge soot deposits into the grid heater, grid heater nuts falling off and going through the intake. Um, you just don't see that on the six, seven Fords. And, you know, we got a lot of these hotshot guys with 500 plus thousand miles with full emissions on their trucks having very little to no issues. Um, if they do have an issue, it's usually like a reductant heater issue or something like that, way high up in the miles. Very cool, Vinny. Well, I appreciate uh, appreciate you chatting with me today after work and kind of short notice. But you know, I, I know our audience is going to love to to see this, and I appreciate you sharing the insights too with some of the other trucks that are out there and what you guys are seeing. So, if somebody's in the market, or maybe like I said before, you bought this truck and you kind of want that reinforcement that you bought the right one, or just know what to expect as you get more mileage on it. It was really insightful, and I'm sure 2020. Well, Hopefully we'll see a fleece coolant bypass come out here soon for emissions compliant trucks. That'd be dope. That would solve one major issue. And then if we can find, we've been doing a lot of the Randy's transmissions, Randy's stage two 68 RFEs have been holding up better than anything we've ever installed. So if you guys are frustrated, if you've got a 68 RFE, you're worried about it. Um, as you said earlier, we're not sponsored. We're just, we're working through the grime and the grit and, hauling our way through the foxholes trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work and randy's stage 268 rfe will live where others haven't so we put some pretty good power through them uh, we put some pretty hard toes on them with guys that are hot shot and big wedge trailers and that's the transmission we found to live so there is hope out there uh, be kind of cool to do an episode just on what we found in the aftermarket world that fixes the oem's problems uh, design flaws and stuff so yeah, well, just because they're not all Brutus and they don't all go 800,000 miles, there's still things you can do to make them live. Yeah, well, I think it'd be helpful, too, to chat about that and then also know what works or what 
know what works that you have experience with. I know there's so many products you might not be able to try them all, but like I said, you go on Google or something like that and start searching part numbers or, you know, anything like that. You're going to find dozens and dozens of recommendations and you guys are on the front line. So as always, well, that's, it, that's the most frustrating thing is there's such good marketing out there. You buy something thinking you're doing the right thing and then it has problems or issues and it doesn't live. And then you got buyer's remorse and now you're stuck with a product that may have a really great warranty, but you're using it every, you know, three or four months versus a product that doesn't have a good warranty, but you don't need it. So, you know, that'd be good to do an episode on those things as well. Yeah, man. Well, like I said, it's always a pleasure, always a pleasure to chat with you. Appreciate your insights and I'm sure we'll be chatting again here, uh, here this year. Absolutely. Cheers. Don't forget, diesel fans, make sure and head on over to kershaw.kaiusa.com. Use code 20diesel for 20% off site. Why? It's a great way to save some money. They've got a ton of choices for you, no matter what your budget is, or if you're a knife enthusiast and you're really into different types of blade steels, handle materials, opening mechanism, opening mechanisms, they've definitely got something for you. So head on over, take advantage of 20% off, and get some cool gear. Also want to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters, Tyler Lowe and a 23diesel. Caleb, John, all of you on Patreon who support us on YouTube, all the podcast apps, our Discord. We appreciate all the support over the years that you guys have given us. And we love being able to take the suggestions you guys have for topics and guests and then incorporate them into the Diesel Podcast to deliver the content that you guys want to hear. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.